what is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bib DeVoe. This is Julie Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This, this is Invo. This is India Ari. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. That's right. It's radio from a woman's perspective with comedian Lonnie Love, legendary rapper Yo-Yo, and me, Angelique. We've got Cedric the Entertainer. He can't promote his TV show because of that whole actor strike thing. But fortunately, he's got a new book to talk about, inspired by his granddaddy. Follow us at Cafe Mocha Radio. Okay, ladies, we got to talk about Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh oh. She has uh-oh, a book uh-oh. out called Worthy, and she has been making around. Okay, first of all, I want to explain to everybody whenever you make, do a book, Mm-hmm. It's you do a book tour, you do, and Jada has been doing that. Jada has been making the rounds. She's been doing um, podcasts, interviews, and she's giving us bits and pieces of mm-hmm. the book. And it's been blowing social media away. One of the yeah. things that she said that really blew a lot of people's minds was that she was talking to Hoda Copy on a Today Show, and she said, "Well, you know, Will and I have been living separate lives for seven years," and everybody was like, "Wait, what?" Mm-hmm. With the slap, with mm-hmm. the, and she's been trending. Ever since, what are your thoughts? At the age we are, how long we've been in this industry, I feel like Jada's on a spiritual journey. And in order to get what you need, you have to live within your truth. Live within your truth means that you have to expose yourself. A part of that exposure means that you have to talk real excuse me, to people. And people don't want to hear your truth. You have to apologize to people. You have to wrong your rights and right your wrongs. I think Will is okay with it. I think she's probably sat down with her husband, had this conversation before she stepped forward. I'm hoping. (laughs) Angelique. I think it's a part of her journey to clean the air and get rid of all of her past so that she can move forward and sell a book, of course. Part of living truth means telling the truth. The likelihood of me believing anything that comes out of Jada Pinkett's mouth from this point forward is zero. I mean, Will Smith went through this whole thing with this slap and my wife and protecting my wife and all this stuff. You ain't even living with her. They're not living together. No, No, they live separate lives. What's that mean? They live separate lives. He's doing all this protection for a relationship that is troubled. Maybe she's saving the relationship. Well, first of all, I'm going to say a couple things. Hang on. And Uh Uh she's making Will Smith look like a fool in the process. I mean, that... The entanglement? The entanglement, yes. At that point right there, she should have said, yo, we ain't, we're separated. We love each other. Maybe one day we'll, at that point right there, but she let Will look like a fool. And now Will is looking like a fool again for the defending the honor. But sometimes mothers have this kind of wanting to take care of the house, not wanting to let everybody in their business. They do it for the the mother's the strong one. They want to protect the family. They don't want to let them in. Even though they're even when no, they're no. effing up, yes. Have you have you heard of a thing called red table talk where yes. she tells all her business? Yes. She tells all her business. Wow. And you got the kids over here lying to keep the secret about the fan. I'm sorry. Zero chance of me believing anything that comes out of her mouth. Go ahead, 
Lonnie. Okay, first of all, I think that the blogs had a lot to do with all of this because they kept putting out headline after headline. This is from a book on um, Red Table Talk. Uh, she said, both her and Will Smith said that they uh, were separated since 2016. I do um, remember they said that. that. That they were separated. So they, they, but this is, first of all, y'all try to act like mar- a lot of marriages aren't like right. this. Like, right. there's so many people who marriages. still in love is sleeping on the couch. And they, and they just, so it's one of those unconventional marriages. And she, and if you notice, even when the thing happened with the entanglement, Angie, the, um, the thing that they both said was we together ride or die bad marriage or all. Right. That's what they said. I just and think that's an that, understanding. Women understand so much more than men sometimes. And then when a woman but, gets ready to talk, it's just like nobody. But yo, yo, it's you rappers. It's you rappers. It's your fault. J. Cole. You know, how about that Wheel of Jada love? You know, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Alicia Keys. But no, yeah, yeah because women love. are silent. Nobody's talking about how they love and will. The, the whole point is, this is an unconventional marriage, but they're yeah. all, they're still together. It's just yeah. not what we want it to be. It's not what we think marriage is supposed to be. Marriage is supposed to be everybody sleeping same bed every night for fifty years, and they say. We ain't seen each other in about six years. Right. <laughs> and, and, my, and my mother said you need a spare man. A- oh. oh. My mother said you got to keep a spare in the tire. I said, what does that mean? She said, you know, a spare, if you, if you ever get a flat, you got a spare in the tire. She said, you never want to be caught on the road without a spare. It's one yeah. thing for sure. They not divorcing. They let y'all know that much. They not divorcing. We got to put up with them. They could leave us out the group chat. <laughs> that's a relationship we all want to have where a person understands you unconditionally. Nobody from the outside can judge you. And you are able to live within your truth and speak it out loud and be able to elevate from that point. So Angelique just want that real will and Jada love. That's what she. That's why she upset. Look, I'm not going to talk about that relationship at all. I've said what I had to say. <laughs> But I went to North Carolina School of the Arts with Jada, so I know uh, I know pre Will Smith. Is it is it pre Tupac too? <laughs> this is post Tupac. Yeah, well, Jada talked about Tupac coming to her, asking him to marry her when he was in prison. That's when the show, and this is breaking news, Jada came to my house that night. It was the premiere of New York Undercover. It was that day. Jada and all of them were at my house. We had a party at my house for the premiere. Pac called. We both spoke to Pac that day on the phone. Jada pulled me into my daughter's room. Tiffany was just a newborn. We spoke about it. She told me, you know, the situation. You know, I said, I understand. I knew he always loved her. Of course, I just had my daughter, Tiffany. People think that Tiffany's just Pac started. It's not, you know, so, but Pac wanted me to know. Just You ain't never had sex with Pac? Oh my Girl, God. Did I? What? Are you kidding me? Did I? What? What did you think I loved? His smile? I loved his rap and his love. (laughs) I'm on a romantic call. You know, and she and I were friends before I even knew she dealt with Pop. Um, I said, well, you know, I always loved you. You know, we've been friends. We played spades together. I beat her ass in spades many a time, so she's beat my ass. Who who knows? But um, we've we've had relationships, you know? Mm. So I was like, oh, it was cool. We left it alone. Interesting. I know, interesting. Yeah. All Very right. Interesting. Well, oh, yo, yo, with the TTT. And that's why we talk, talk, talk. Yeah, more Cafe Mocha. Stay tuned. It's Cafe Mocha, Lonnie Love, Angelique, and Yo Yo on the line. 
is my comedy brother from another mother. And he has a new novel out called Flipping Boxcars. It's released right now. Um, you can find it on harpercollins.com, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and wherever books are sold. Oh, we just love him. Cedric the Entertainer. How you doing, Cedric? What's up, Lonnie? What up, baby? How you doing? What up, everybody? Hello, Cedric. How are you? Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. A very exciting time. Like we said, congratulations on your new novel, Flipping Boss Cars. Tell us about Babe. Who was he and how did he inspire Flipping Box Cars? Thank you. Very exciting story, though. This is, uh, Babe was my mother's father. And uh, he was, uh, you know, my grandfather who was, who had passed long before I was born. But, you know, like through, like so many of us, our connections to our families, that, that idea, you look just like your daddy, you laugh like your uncle. But with these things that you have no idea how your DNA kind of runs through your body for real, I was connected to this man without ever having to met, ever met him. And so it just inspired me from the few stories I heard about his life to tell a more a fictional tale about who I believed he was. And so that's really what motivated this novel about, uh, you know, my grandfather. And you who know, did you uh, believe he was? I know. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, from the stories, these are the things that I knew about him. He was an entrepreneur. He was a businessman. He was a... Uh, he was uh, a de facto politician, you know, in those in those spaces where he was like the, the, the mayor of the black side of town, though he didn't have an official, you know, position whenever something needed to be done. And on the black side of town, you go talk to my grandfather and he would go and make things happen. He was, uh, you know, he, he was a... a a person of the underworld. He did a he had, he had gambling halls. He bootlegged. Uh, he was friends with the sheriff. Uh, they did a lot of little things there. To, you know, to a uh, combination of business and making sure the city ran according to the way that they wanted it to to be ran. And so that's uh, that's who he was. He was a loving father. Uh, you know who you know and, and a husband uh, but also was a person that took a lot of risk and I, and I felt like they that fits you know who I who I became uh, without necessarily having a father figure in my life when I grew up I grew up in a single parent household so I got a lot of these kind of man things through osmosis if you will and I feel like I attributed a lot of that to uh, who I believe babe was you know, you talk about being a comedian, seeing things for what they are. What did you discover in writing this book about your G-Paw? You know, was there anything that you discovered that you wasn't anticipating in discovering while writing it? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, for me, the probably the, the, the most prolific aspect of, of kind of learning, uh, you know, what I felt about him and what I learned about myself was, is that he was, this was, this was post-Civil War, pre, I mean, I mean, post-World War II, pre-Civil Rights, so very much a Jim Crow America. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he had been away, he had been in the Army, and he'd come back, you know, to the United States. But while in a way in the military, he, you know, he lived in Germany for a minute. He lived in London, and, he, and then he actually got discharged and was living in Paris for like three months before he was officially, you know, officially discharged to be able to come home. And it's it's in those spaces when you live 
outside the United States. You you go on, you fought for this country, and now you're walking around and you live in a place where you can walk in the front door of a restaurant. You can have white friends in the middle of the street. You can eat and go places, and then you come back to the country, and they have this Jim Crow-type laws. They expect you to play the role of a second-class citizen. And what I discovered is that my grandfather was just not that. He was not being. He was not able to put that kind of. Uh, I'm okay with the rules back in the box, mm-hmm. and became his own man. And that was something that you know, while dis- writing this book, discovering that was something very powerful about recognizing mm-hmm. about myself and and what I you know what I want to be and how I see yeah. myself. And it's very much you know in line with what Coach Prime is doing, like how he's literally taking his his power and who he is and owning it and making the world have to deal with that. And yeah. I just think that that's something that we have to do as black men, and it was just uh, really enlightening to kind of discover that about him while I was writing this book. It's Cafe Mocha, Lonnie Love, Angelique, and Yo-Yo on the line. We're talking to Cedric the Entertainer. Not only do you have a new book out, but you got some barbecue sauce. That- <laughs> Talk Uh-oh. about a- Barbecue. That's what I wanted to get to. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Me, me, and my partner. You know, Anthony Anderson is uh, been one of a very good friend of mine many years, and so we actually, uh, you know, uh, do a lot of cooking and hang it out when we go on our golf trips. And so this idea of like creating something for the culture. Uh, you know, so many of our celebrity friends are doing alcoholic brands and stuff like that. And we were looking for something that had that kind of reach, but but was just different. And so uh, this idea of barbecue and grilling, getting outside, throwing a, throwing in a picnic where everybody come, uh, that is very much our culture. You throw some meat on the grill, you tell everybody I'm grilling today, somebody come through with the potato salad, somebody show up with the mac and cheese and, you know, some drinks. And next thing you know, we got a little party. And we just really felt like that was – that's what the culture was. So AC Barbecue is really about the culture of barbecue. We got rubs uh, and sauces. Now we so we're in Walmart. We're in like 2,900 Walmarts. Uh, we got um, Lowe's and Home Depot coming up, and uh, it's steady growing the brand. Man, we we got spatulas and tongs and aprons and you know hot gloves. All these things are coming your way along with the grills themselves. And and restaurants, uh, so we're really excited to you know make uh, several making several announcements about what we're doing: podcasts in the grilling space, TV show talking about the the, the product. So yeah. we we just out we just out here doing it, man. Letting everybody know AC Barbecue where it's in, rooted in culture by it's, community. We're both Aspire, right? Aspire TV. Uh, no, that that's actually A and E. Oh, A and E. I'm on Aspire yes. TV. I have a cooking show called Downright Delicious. We got to bring you guys over there, try out some of your yes. barbecue sauce, bring them in in the house. Anthony Anderson yes. and Cedric the Entertainer got a barbecue sauce. I know the world. Listen to the name. Taste. Listen to the names of the seasonings. There are Let three available right yes. now. The MVP yes. seasoning. Yeah. That's like, that's the one that says, put me on everything. Wait, what's the MVP? Yeah, Tell us about the MVP. That, 
And so the MVP is the, the, that one general. It's kind of our Lowry's, if you will. That's to put me on everything. You can put it in, you know, put that MVP a little bit. It's the number one. It's the first one we we developed. Uh, it's got, you know, uh, just, you know, a, a lot of the, 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 the great base taste for meats and, you know, and, and, and beefs uh, so that, you know, it just kind of lifts up. Then we got the Limit Stepper, really great for your poultries and your fish. Uh, uh-huh. that, that's our version of Limit Pepper. We call it the Limit Stepper. Here come the hot stepper. Murderer. Yeah, right, murderer. And then we got Midnight Smoke. So Midnight Smoke is, you know, again, more, you know, the the, the deeper cuts of meat, you know, be it the, the briskets and, you know, your pastrami's and all that. Mm. So it lifts up a little bit more, uh, a little more flavor, deeper, deeper flavors in there. Those are the rubs that we got out. Then we got sauces coming. We got the Carolina wine and Ooh. we got the all day, every day coming. And y'all probably smoking that with some uh, Rodney Hubbard uh, cigars, huh? Hey, well, you know that. <laughs> if you ride, ride my man, we got the entertainer cigar over there popping. I got the set of wine. I got my wine from my, that I named after my mom, Rosetta. So set of wine we do. Uh, got beautiful wines uh, that you can that people can grab from, from smithdevereaux.com. Listen, we have grown up to you, Cedric. I've been knowing you for so long in this industry. It's such a pleasure to see how far you've gone, how far you've been able to stretch your your brand, you know, to realize who you are as a young man, to grow up to be a, a great man in many aspects. I mean, you know, when you go back and talk about your family history, write a story about your grandfather, to be able to share your, your food choices with the, you know, with the fans. I think that's just amazing, Lonnie. Cafe Mocha on the line, Lonnie Love, Angelique, and Yo-Yo with our man Cedric, his name, Kyle's. That that's the, yeah, that's all government name. You see it on the book, don't you? It's on the cover of the book. I had to put the government name on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has so a your name book. is Kyle. His name is Kyle, honey? It's Kyle. That's your Kyle. So when you go pick up his book, Flipping Boxcars, you're going to see it as a nice, um, uh, but it also has Cedric the Entertainer, because I know some of y'all are a little slow out there. So (laughs) You know know your people. Me. Know your people. They need everything in audio book. Sorry, man. Me. To run the audio book, all right? You read it yourself? That's okay. I did, did. I did do the audio book, and again, I, and I actually was, uh, you know, the, the voiceover on it. So it was good. That was exciting to do, man. That was the first you time know, I heard the book myself. Mm, you know, Cedric, you don't. You and I both be in stand-up comics. Uh, you've come a long way. Like Yo-Yo was saying earlier, did you ever think that in your career you would be at this point in your life that you are right now? You know, when you start this, of course not. You know, our, our dreams usually a stand-up is, to, you know, of course, you know, maybe get a TV show or land uh, on a sitcom or something and you just kind of uh, see yourself kind of going along. But, you know, all of the opportunities I've had were definitely ones that's been manifested from one, the love of making people laugh and having a good time and loving on my folks. And, and you know, that's what I really like to do it, but with my stand-up and so, uh, and I think all the opportunities have led to that from TV to Broadway to writing this book now to, you know, being them doing movies, uh, all of that really, even producing for other people. You know, we got like other shows with other folks on there that we do using, your, you know, my platform to be able to just drive the culture forward is something that, of course, when I started, I was just, 
just a dude telling jokes in St. Louis, trying to figure out how to make ends meet, you know, and that's all you really wanted. You know what? I want to, it's 50 years of hip hop. I want to ask you before we, we get off the line, what's your favorite hip hop song? Oh man. I, I mean, I, I, I love probably, uh, excuse me, miss Jay-Z. Hey. Oh, hey. you know what? His book is titled Flipping Boxcars, Cedric Kyle's and his hot sauce or his barbecue sauce is called AC Barbecue. You can pick it up at all Walmart stores, also at www.acbarbecue.com. You know, Cedric, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, my brother. Thank you so much for taking time to come in and talk to us at Cafe Mocha. And good luck and keep reaching for the stars, brother. I appreciate that. Thank y'all so much. Y'all keep it popping too. Everybody doing it. Love y'all. Everybody, you know, y'all y'all my girls. So let's go. Let's keep rocking. Thank you. Thank you. Cafe Mocha's headed to Howard University for the HBCU First Look Festival is for aspiring filmmakers. Actress Terry J. Vaughn is one of the many people teaching a master class. Plus the screening of the new movie Rustin. HBCU First Look Festival is coming November 10th through the 12th. Go to HBCUFirstLook.com That's HBCUFirstLook.com We're at Cafe Mocha Radio. Hey, this is Billionaire from We Sound Crazy with your Black Music Month Spotlight. Chris Brown is a singer, songwriter, dancer, and actor. In 2004, Brown signed with Jive Records and released his debut studio album the following year. Later certified triple platinum, Brown holds the records for the most Billboard Hot 100 entries of any male singer in history and the most RIAA multi-platinum singles of any male singer in history. A lot of people don't see nose that everybody gets. Like, they just see the success and a lot, a lot of hard work, a lot of late nights, sleepless nights, stressful nights, crying in the studio, not thinking I'm good enough, like as a, as a younger artist, but I didn't let that doubt overshadow the dream. I feel like, even to this day, like, my, my heart and my passion is in, so I feel like that's what, I guess, keeps me consistent or keeps people interested or engaged in my music. Celebrating Black Music Month. Hey, it's Angelique here. Walt Disney World Resort is bringing you the culture with music, art, and food. Imagine savoring Princess and the Frog's decadent bread pudding and Barry Benet's at Disney's Port Orleans Resort. Take in Disney's Animal Kingdom Park Circle of Life Festival, celebrating the Lion King and more. Walt Disney World Resort is a place where you can come and celebrate with your family and you can do it soulfully. Bring yourself to Walt Disney World Resort and celebrate the culture. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. Angelique, Lonnie, Love, and Yo-Yo. I'm excited. I know. Tell, tell everybody. Tell everybody what's happening. We are kicking off our first ever film festival. It's geared at HBCUs. Lonnie has literally watched every film that's been submitted. And so, uh, first of all, Lonnie, what colleges are involved or mostly involved? Well, we're actually having the HBCU First Look Film Festival at Howard University. We had over 125 submissions and it was for short films. 
And um, it's going to be a wonderful uh, festival that is going to include um, Academy Award-winning costume designer Ruth E. Carter, uh, Kathy Hughes, producer, director, Stephen Dr. Love, uh, myself, Terry J. Vaughn, and uh, the Emmy Award-winning daytime EP, John Murray. Uh, so we're going to have this wonderful two-day event where we're looking at films. There are going to be panels. There are going to be master classes. And, um, you know, just the films, I want to describe that some of them was as short as two minutes. Some of them was as long as an hour, hour and, and a half. But they were fascinating and they were so creative and it was really hard to judge, but it really is something that's happening. So what we're going to have this weekend, we're going to have things like an opening night at the movies, which is on on Friday, November the 10th. Um, And uh, that's going to be us talking about the different movies and things like that. Um, Also, we're going to have the HBCU first look challenge and the challenge has received, those were the, the, the submissions that I was talking about. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to have on Saturday, November the 11th, my HBCU joy, which is a luncheon that we're going to have, where we're going to discuss uh, with Ruthie Carter. Uh, she's going to be our keynote speaker. And we're going to talk about the process of developing movies Uh, TV One will present a conversation with Urban One founder and chairperson Kathy Hughes. And um, also the winner uh, will be receiving a $5,000 grand prize at that event. Um, Then there is, of course, the closing night at the movies uh, where we'll do the crossover, 50 years of hip hop and sports. Um, There will be a talk back and there'll be a surprise performance that will accompany that film block. So it's a whole weekend of events. And, you know, these film festivals are very important, Angelique, because, you know, we need to make sure that our culture is represented um, in a positive way, in an enlightening way. And so when you see these type of films and you see the creativity and you see the, the passion that's put in it, you just, you just really, really, you understand how important it is. So we want everyone to come out November 10th through the 11th. We want to thank our, our sponsors, uh, AARP, the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, Cafe Mocha Network, Howard University, Television and Film, ESPN, Netflix, and Radio One Network. So this is just, we even just got the Academy to come on board for this. So this is huge. It's going to be really huge. November 10th through the 11th, the HBCU First Look Film Festival. It's going to be awesome. And it's at Howard? It will be at Howard University um, both nights. And we have the Higher Grounds Rustin. That's going to be the opening night film with my friend Coleman Domingo about the life of there. Yes, yes, definitely. So that's that's what's so it's just phenomenal. And really at this time right now, with this whole the strike going on, 
things have stalled in Hollywood as far as filmmaking. So these types of film festivals are very important um, because, you know, this has stalled, especially, you know, the Black creative voice. So this type of film festival really helps to push it along, even though we're, you know, we're stalled in Hollywood with actually making films. It's just a wonderful thing. So speaking of being stalled in Hollywood, how is, I mean, we, we resolved the writer's strike. They signed all the paperwork. Everything's moving forward. So the writers are happy. What's going on with the actors now? Well, WGA is a separate guild union than SAG, which SAG is the actor screen actors guild, uh, which is a union. And those are the actors. So um, for 95 days, uh, they were they they went back to the table right after the writer strike had ended. The actors went, which was led by Fran Dressler, who uh, we know her from the nanny. She's the SAG president. Um, they went to the table. They negotiated. The studios decided to walk away because the offer that they're asking for, there's, there are a couple of things that are sticking points. One is artificial intelligence. Is supposedly what a lot of studios want to do. It's like, say, like you're in a um, a movie like The Gladiator, and there is a scene where you're in um, an arena. They want to take maybe like twenty or thirty faces, digitally scan those faces, and then put them throughout the arena instead of actually paying for people and actually paying for actual people to be in the arena. So they want to, they want to scan and they want to digitally scan them and use artificially and and place them in their movie. I have seen that in a Disney project. And if you look in the background, it looks scary because you could tell whoever did it didn't, wasn't careful about it and didn't make sure they look like humans some of them just look, it just looked like a freak show in the background. And so obviously it's putting people out of, out of work. The thing is, is that supposedly they were saying that they want to scan like background faces and just use them, you know, infinity without even paying. Right. And the, the problem with that is that one, that's someone's likeness Two, you know, right now they look scary. But in three years, the way technology is, it'll look like a real person. We started that with that football stuff, you know, making football players, those football games look so real, look like you're actually playing the football games, you know, the fans and all of that good stuff. Yeah. So 30 years ago. That's that's one of the sticking points is using the likeness of AI. The second thing is, is that you have the issue with the streaming services. Streaming services are claiming, you know, that they're not making money. That's Netflix, uh, Paramount Plus, uh, Hulu, you know, all the, the, the places where you get your apps. They're claiming that they're not making money. What they want to do, they're asking for 2% of the revenue from streaming services. And that is like for the streaming services, they're saying, no, they can't, they, they, they can't do that. That would be like maybe $800 million. And they can't, they would just go out of business. So until they decide on something, they've walked away. So they're not even talking anymore, which is a really bad thing because now we're in October. Um, The television season basically is gone. 
uh, for 2023. I mean, but because even if they start up in November, you're you're hitting the holidays um, in November, December, and so you're not going to be able to salvage anything. So this may take a while. Resolve the writer's strike. They signed all the paperwork. Everything's moving forward. So the writers are happy. What's going on with the actors now? What, what options are they having for the artists? For the actors? Artists, you can still do game shows, you talk shows, reality shows. Um, and and that's it. But as far as movies or television shows, uh, you can't do. There's, there's people that are doing like the they're making appearances for Comic-Con and the, 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 the Comic-Con things, but you can't promote, um, you can't promote the, 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 anything that is struck a struck company. So, you know, so you'll see people like at New York Comic-Con, they had Chris Evans, who was uh, Captain America. And he was just talking about, oh, my dog. And I love, you know, walking my dog, but he wasn't saying anything about the Marvel, which, you know, and then they also had some interim agreements. The thing is, is that it's hurting the artists as well, because like we have the the movie Color Purple coming out in December. Will they be able to adequately, you know, promote that? I had my first movie and it's like, I couldn't go on any talk shows. Promotions help not only for the movie, but it helps that actor um, to show that they're working. So we have a lot of films that, you know, are coming out or have come out and the actors haven't been able to promote them. So in a way, the promotion part kind of hurts, you know, but they think that, you know, it, it hurts the, um, the the studio as well. So. What do you suggest people do in this time? Like there's makeup artists. There's so many people who are losing out. What do you suggest they do in this downtime? Well, I mean, if you have some type of side gig, like if you're a makeup artist, maybe you could start doing weddings, you know, get a job at a department store. You have to, you know, everybody's just taking side gigs. Like I'm back out on the road. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't want to be back out on the road. I wanted television and movies is what I want to do. But until, you know, there is, there's literally no work in Hollywood. And so you, everybody has to do side gigs. Some people are leaving the whole, the business in general. They just had enough. And so I really, you're going to see a difference in 2024 because you won't see as many movies. You won't see as many TV shows. It will affect the entertainment pool. I think people think, oh, there's so much out there already, but you know, you get tired of watching the same thing, you know, and for a lot of us, you know, like a lot of black creatives, we just started getting shows. Yeah. So, like, you they know, were the first one to get canceled. Yeah, they, they canceled Tiffany's uh after party. They canceled a lot of black yeah, like Saturdays the, didn't get picked up. It didn't? No. I'm sorry. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They they're they're just canceling shows and then they'll just start back fresh. So this this strike is hurting a lot, but it really hurts a lot of black creatives more than people realize, more than people really care. So Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is The Espresso. I'm Angelique. Mississippi police are in the news because they hit and killed a black man, buried him in an unmarked grave, and took seven months to tell his mama. But attorney Ben Crump is on the case. We don't even know if they put him in a wooden box or did they just put him in a bag and drop him in the ground. 
I mean, there are buzzards flying overhead for some reason. It's God awful when you think about it. Meanwhile, at the Milwaukee Zoo, a 17-year-old girl was dragged from a car and repeatedly punched by an officer. Cops won't release the body cam footage, but fortunately, her friend caught it on tape. We all look up, and then you just see officers hopping over gates. I only record him hitting her three times in the video, but before I started the video, he was already striking her. In much lighter news, Magic Johnson is now a billionaire. According to Forbes, Magic's net worth is around $1.2 billion. He's a partial owner in a number of sports teams, but it's his 60% stake in a life insurance company that put him over the billion-dollar benchmark. That's The Espresso. This is Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, and Yo-Yo on the line. He's a gospel singer, gospel producer, plays instruments, does a whole bunch of stuff. You done helped me many a nights. (laughs) (laughs) Donald Lawrence is on the line. His album is called Donald Lawrence Presents Power, a tribute to Twinkie Clark. Hey, Donald, how are you? Hey, what's up? How are you? We are doing great. Uh, You know what? First of all, congratulations, you know, on the Clark Sisters um, movie, which was awesome how does it feel? oh thank you how does it feel to create a project like that and just get the response and love especially with those legends you know what it was really um it was really kind of um uh it was incredible for me because i grew up being uh, like a crazy clark sister fan so honestly i would have just liked to have met them i had no idea i would ever work with them as close as i've worked with them and i was such a fan that when it came to recreating you know their sound with the actors from it it just kind of just flowed out and and it was a couple of times when we when we listened to playback and stuff like that that even the clark sisters said did you get twinkie to come in and do some overdubs and something i was like nah it's just it's all the actors um they they did it so it was really um very rewarding and you know i love the clark sisters and it was just great to be able to work on that project and now you have an album donald lawrence presents power a tribute to Twinkie Clark. Oh, tell us about yeah. this album. You know what? It it was a it's an old album that she did in 1981 that I was obsessed with. I, when I was in school studying, I used to just listen to it over and over and over. So when I did the Clark Sisters movie, I really had to recreate like vintage Clark Sisters stuff. So it ga- that gave me the idea. I was like, you know what? As a tribute to Twinkie, I would love to recreate like reimagine this old album make it sound old and sound new at the same time as a tribute to her. So afterwards, I kind of pitched the idea to um, my dude, um, Phil Thornton, who was at RCA at the time, um, the idea. And he he was like, let's do it. So um, I went to work. It, it took a minute because it was about figuring out old Sonics as well as new Sonics and kind of making it feel old and new at the same time. One, one of my friends said, how is it that I'm listening to this? It sounds like vinyl, a cassette, an iPod, and a CD all at the same time. <laughs> so it was really about figuring out how to reimagine that old project and just do it as a tribute to her. So it, it was great. It was like art, and it was just fun to do. Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, and Yo-Yo on the line. Gospel singer Donald Lawrence. The new project is called Donald Lawrence Presents Power. <laughs> For so long, your music is so encouraging. But this album, um, to Twinkie Clark, can you tell us? Because I'm from Detroit, so I, I'm okay. also excited about that too. So you know, I know the Clark sisters. But for yeah. those outside of the gospel community, who is Twinkie Clark? Twinkie Clark is she's not the oldest sister of it, but she's kind of like the um the creator of the Clark sisters. She wrote all the songs. 
she kind of created the style of the Clark sisters. I always say it's that the Clark sisters is Twinkie's voice in all different parts. It's Karen is Twinkie's voice as a soprano. Dorinda's Twinkie's, Twinkie's voice as an alto. Jackie's Twinkie's voice as an alto tenor. And then there's Twinkie. So she's kind of the creative of that whole entire thing. She wrote all the songs for those of you who knew. You Brought the Sunshine, just a lot of records that she did. And definitely in Detroit there, you know, um, I always said, I always said this, you know, there was, they used to have these musicals in Detroit back in the day. And it was pretty much like the gospel uh, Apollo. Like you, if you ever, if you ever got through, got through there, then you was ready to go because it, the talent level was just incredible. And them Clark sisters would always come up at the end and just, shut everybody down so it was great um i'm a big fan of detroit music as well and the clock sisters definitely was a staple of that all right donald lawrence the album is called donald lawrence presents power a tribute to twinkie clark thanks for so much for joining us on cafe mocha oh thank you for having me i'm, I'm a fan it was good to talk to you all and man thank you so much We'll keep listening. Thank you, Donald. Okay. Thank you. All right. Cafe Mocha is headed to Howard University for the HBCU First Look Festival for Aspiring Filmmakers. It's coming up November 10th through 12th. Go to HBCUFirstLook.com. HBCUFirstLook.com. Until next time, you can find us everywhere at Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Super Radio. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Hey, this is Bacon from Bacon from We Sound Crazy, and this is your Black Music Month Spotlight. Brandy Norwood is an American entertainer born in Macomb, Mississippi in 1979 and raised in Carson, California. In 1994, she released her self-titled multi-platinum debut album, Brandy, that featured the singles, I Wanna Be Down, Baby, and Best Friend. Her second album, Never Say Never, has sold over 16 million copies worldwide and features the Billboard 13-week number one song, The Boy Is Mine, with fellow R&B singer, Monica. The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine. In her 30-year career, she's won a Grammy, released eight studio albums selling over 40 million records worldwide, and has over 70 movie and television roles to her credit, among other accolades. In the beginning, you know, you no one knows you, and you, you have reasons to be successful, which is just to be popular or for people to just know your name. But now, for me, it's, it's about sharing and it's about really giving back. When you're young, it's all about you. It's not really about me. It's really about the people that have, have been with me for such a long time. Hey, it's Angelique here. Walt Disney World Resort is bringing you the culture with music, art, and food. Imagine savoring Princess and the Frog's decadent bread pudding and Barry Benet's at Disney's Port Orleans Resort. Take in Disney's Animal Kingdom Park's Circle of Life Festival, celebrating the Lion King and more. Walt Disney World Resort is a place where you can come and celebrate with your family, and you can do it soulfully. Bring yourself to Walt Disney World Resort and celebrate the culture.